Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. Sustainability is actually more than reducing waste, recycling, and being more conscious about our purchasing habits. Sustainability can also be expressed through art and design. By using plant fibers to create art rather than synthetic materials, or designing your home or office with a natural environment in mind, you can take your sustainability game to the next level. Today's episode is a double feature, where I will be chatting with Jade Michaela Williams, an artist and model, about how she incorporates natural materials and dyes into her handmade rugs. And later, we'll hear from Priscilla Joseph, an interior designer, about how to bring nature into your home design. But before we get too deep into that, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl Podcast and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll down to the review area and I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review. So go ahead and do it. It really helps us with getting more people to discover the show. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and I will feature it in an upcoming episode. If you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. I love seeing what everyone's up to, their sustainable swaps, their outfit inspo. So I love sharing that on Instagram. Also, if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider becoming a Sustainable Brown Girl patron on Patreon. It really helps to keep the show going on a consistent basis, and you'll get access to some exclusive content. A link to the Patreon page is in the show notes. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Our first featured Sustainable Brown Girl is Jade Michaela Williams a model, designer, and alchemist of the earth. Through her art, plant-based meals, and free-flowing lifestyle, Jade inspires us to remember that we are infinite beings living a human experience. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jade. Thank you. Yes. So I always like to start at the beginning. So let us know, like, what led you to to like love the earth, the planet so much. <laughs> I've always had an appreciation for the planet. Um, I was a very curious child with when it came to nature and like celestial beings in the in space and just like life, how we got here, what we're doing here, etc. cetera. Um, but this specific journey um, started a, um, a year ago, um, just trying to find a, a new hobby um, during the pandemic um, and I didn't, I never really got into dyeing before and I've always been interested in pigmentation. So um, I would just do like little experiments and I didn't realize there was already a community for natural dyeing. And so I kind of did a deep dive and then tried doing my own things in that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you said you always kind of had a, a love for the planet. Like mm -hmm. what, what did that look like for you? Um, just, I, I had an interest always in, um, in, in how the planet basically already has what we need and we don't really need to look outside of that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my work, um, revolved around recycled things and turning things that were deemed as trash into, you know, things that are treasured. Um, and so the idea of not like consuming unnecessarily, um, tied into a lot of my art, I realized as I got older, I didn't, I thought it was just more so me being thrifty as a, as a kid. I love thrift shops. I love like, you know, kind of collecting things from the earth. And so it kind of all just tied into um, this journey and it's continuing to unfold and develop as I go. 
Yes, I love that. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about your, you know, your natural dyes and stuff. So let's kind of talk about your business, um, Portal Rugs. Mm-hmm. What is it and like what led you to start it? So that's actually not the name of the business. It's, it's oh. literally like this was more so like a, um, a project and I call them like I call them portals. I guess that's what you would call them. I haven't, I haven't gone through the official process of giving it, you know, a name and a business name and LLC gotcha. just yet. But it's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's art as of now, and um, I'm hoping to take commissions in the future. Um, but basically, when I was doing my natural dyeing uh, process, um, I kind of just went down a rabbit hole of like, what could I do with the materials I already have? hemp cord, um, the natural dyes I've been making. And I realized that there's already um, things, uh, hemp rugs that are already out there. And I realized that it was very easy to make, um, for me at least, um, something that I um, would find easy interest in. And so I kind of just gave it my own twist and used the materials that I had. And it just felt right. It felt like I was creating a portal for my, not only for my growth, but just for people who can relate to it um and so instead of just calling it a rug I I called it a portal because like you can it's made from the earth and when you sit on it or if you hang it up you kind of get drawn into it it's very as you can see it's behind me as well um (laughs) it's um very much alive and that's pretty much where I got that that concept from Wow. That's amazing. I love that you call it a portal and you explain it like that. Like Mm -hmm. I can just imagine like meditating on it and just being like super zen, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it ties into like um, sacred geometry too. It's it's circular. Um, There's, you know, there's patterns, there's different colors, um, everything coming from, you know, the earth. And um, it's also like a reflection of you. Like, I feel like when you look into a, a mirror, it's also a portal as well. It's diving deeper into yourself. When you think of a portal, it's like a, um, a hollow hole or, a, you know, if you look at the basic, you know, uh, definition of what a portal might be. Um, and I feel like a lot of the, the journey that humans go through in life is diving deeper into their self, the portal of their, their own soul. So, <laughs> Wow. That's yes. amazing. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is obviously a piece of art, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, it, it is art. So um, how how long have you, I mean, I guess people are just born an artist, you know, like you don't really become an artist. So mm-hmm. I guess you've already always been an artist. So mm-hmm. like, how did you kind of, you know, fall into that? Um, as a kid, I just, I drew a lot. I danced a lot, did, you know, played with makeup and, um, very multifaceted in the art world. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I got older, I kind of, you know, as far as college, I got into art school called SCAD and mm-hmm. really got a chance to, um, refine my skills in artistry. Um, it was very expensive. So I transferred to Howard university where my mom works and, um, then I transitioned from fine art slash fashion design um, into graphic design. So working more with virtual technology and branding and so on and so forth, um, along with, you know, synonymously becoming a, a sign model. So modeling was also a form of art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, like, you know, you kind of you see that you change as an artist as well. And sometimes you kind of drift away from it. Um, especially when you become an adult and money gets involved and, you know, social media gets involved, you're comparing your art to other people's. And that's very, you know, it's, it's been a journey. So I'm kind of, you know, I've been in the soil for a long time and now I'm sprouting again and tapping back into the childlike passion of just creating. Yes. Yes. I can definitely see that process, you know, on, on your Instagram where it just seems so natural, you know, the way that you, you know, create your rugs and, you know, whatever other things that you're working on, you can just see like the, I don't want to say passion, but it's just like, you know, just like the homeliness of it, you know, it just Mm -hmm. really looks like you're at home. So I love that so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us about like the, what other types of art aside from the rugs are, do you create? 
Um, I do. Um, a lot of my work is virtual now, graphic yeah. design, like I was saying. Um, yeah. Uh, right now, my my niche is kind of like the textile thing, but mm-hmm. um, I do have a background in like you know doing painting and um, realistic drawings and, and so on and so forth. But yeah. I think as I kind of grew into myself and you know got a love for like herb herbs, I have a um, I'm collecting herbs and having my own little personal apothecary going on that's where I realized that I can marry the two you know art with nature and so um right now I'm still developing like what can I do with those two things and kind of you know just share that with the share my journey with the public so yeah that's what I'm working on now I don't want to like say too much because it's like I've been (laughs) things change for example like I I just I let it flow. I do like um, dream catchers. I'll do like things that you hang on the wall. A lot of decorative pieces right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, since you're, you know, kind of into alchemy and like the natural Mm -hmm. dye and stuff, I do kind of want to talk about your natural dye process and the materials Mm -hmm. that you use for Mm -hmm. your rugs. Mm -hmm. So when I was, you know, looking through your Instagram, I saw that for the dye, you use like onion skins and herbs. And I think I even saw black beans. Yeah, black beans is one of my favorite. Wow. Ingredients, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> talk about that. Um. So, yeah, so I can basically, I do a lot of experimenting and a lot of research as well. So mm-hmm. some things I did find from the internet, some things I just kind of, you know, thought about, you know, experimenting with. And so... I can use, uh, I've, I've been using ingredients such as turmeric to get yellow hues, yellow golden hues, then hibiscus for a magenta hue. Um, I can show you, I don't know if people are going to see this, but this is like a magenta and black bean hue um, to get yes. this really um, beautiful purple magenta color. Um, so yeah, I, I spent a little bit of time just experimenting with um with those things, flowers, um, berries, onion skins give a yellow color. Um, avocado pits give a interesting pink tone. Um, a lot of things that might have to be collected over time, but things that I can easily purchase um, that are not expensive that you might already have in your kitchen was definitely turmeric. And when you mix turmeric, for example, with um, other ingredients such as like baking soda, you'll get like a really deep orange color. Um, and so when you kind of go through those um, experiments, exper- experiments, um, you can kind of uh, use this thing called uh, color theory or just mixing different colors to see how that would translate through dye. So for example, um, if I do want to get a specific kind of orange color, I'll mix the hibiscus, which gives you that um, magenta pinkish red color um, with turmeric, which is yellow. That golden and magenta color would give you a really interesting orange color. I use chlorophyll, liquid chlorophyll that you put in your water um, to get a green hue. Um, there's blue spirulina, which is like a, um, it's like a powder you can put in your smoothies. It has a, a natural blue hue. Um, but black beans um, is one of my favorite color uh uh, dye materials or ingredients um, because it gives a very interesting indigo color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really realize that until you you have to let it sit overnight and let the colors extract from it. And um, so beautiful. It's literally one of the most um, intriguing colors. Um, in some countries, people use like actual like insects sometimes too. Um, um, I am plant-based and, and I guess you would consider it vegan. So I don't I wouldn't feel comfortable using bugs, but um, you can use all kinds of things. You can use bark, you can use leaves, you can use all kinds of things. It's all about essentially um, the extraction of the color from the material using water. Wow. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So you said you've found out about like most of these dyes through research, but I mean, I'm I'm assuming you, you know, do a lot of experimenting too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the most interesting one was the baking soda. It, it really showed the, the alchemy aspect because it's like you're, you're in your kitchen and you're seeing like how um, when you add a certain ingredient, it changes like the molecular structure of whatever you're already using. And it's like literally like a science project. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's awesome. 
So, you know, you also use a lot of like herbs and such in, in your meals and whatnot. You just mentioned that you were plant-based. So, you know, I don't know if a lot of people, you know, I guess things have changed over the years, but you know, when people think of vegan, they may think of like, Oh, like you're beyond burger and stuff like that. But, Mm -hmm. but the meals that you create are like so unique. Like for instance, I saw that you made a hibiscus taco. Like, how do you come up with these creations? I didn't. So I didn't make that one. That was actually, okay. um, (laughs) I do use a lot of hibiscus though. my my teas. um, Okay. Guys. But um, I actually did a shoot in Mexico, and they—that was actually one of the local meals that they wow. they gave to me. Um, hibiscus has a very um, interesting texture and flavor. It's a little sour, um, but you know, it when paired with savory seasonings, it has a very interesting—not really meaty, but almost similar to like how a jackfruit taco would taste. Or mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, you know the further along I get in my plant-based journey, I kind of am straying away a little bit further uh, from things that are supposed to imitate meat. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to train myself to just like, you know, just dive into the veggies and fruits. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. How long have you been plant-based? Since 2017. So how many years is that? Five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. What made you want to (sighs) switch? Um, one of my first classes in college was actually animal ethics um, English class. So it was a themed English class. Um, I'd never really heard of that before, but uh, we did a lot of research on the food industry and the fashion industry when it came to animal cruelty and um, especially like even uh, animal experiment experiments in like space, taking animals to space and like um, vaccines and whatnot. And so uh, it was my first intro- introduction to, um, you know, you know, animal ethics. So mm-hmm. that kind of planted the seed in me. And then um, in my my junior year of, of college, um, was it my junior year or senior year? My senior year of college, um, I, I the documentary called "What the Hell" came out. Yes. And I was like, okay, this is just like my my cue to just stop. And I've and I've been cold turkey. I haven't eaten meat in five years. So wow, yeah, that's that that I'm just like a cold turkey kind of girl. If I when I learn something, I'm like I can't unlearn it. So I'm just gonna mm. just do me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So um, I saw you know like on your Instagram and stuff that you spend a lot of time like in in the outdoors and mm-hmm. like you show yourself like going on walks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you do any foraging at all? Um, I did do some foraging um, a couple of times. Um, one of my favorite times was in my neighborhood that I grew up half my life in in Maryland in Bowie, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, so oddly enough. Um, there were a lot of uh, Asian plants and trees and herbs in the neighborhood, bamboo forests, um, a lot of Chinese and Japanese trees throughout the neighborhood. And I was very curious as to how, you know, these these Asian uh, plant species got into this neighborhood. Um, but I think that, you know, a long time ago, they were just imported and planted there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this app called um, Picture This. And I think everybody should get it who's watching or who's listening to this. Um, you can literally take out the app and take a picture of any any plant, any mushroom, flower, tree, and it'll identify it for you. Um, and I was as I was going down, excuse the background, I'm in New York, so it's a little loud. <laughs> um, so as I was uh, walking in the neighborhood, um, I saw this herb that was growing so fruitfully, like it was just growing so much. And I took a picture of it, and it was actually called um, what was it called? It's called beefsteak plant. And oh, it's actually, um, it's edible and medicinal and um, used a lot in China, too, for, for medicine, medicinal purposes. So that was the first time I foraged. I took it home, I washed it, and then I dried it. And I kept it in my uh, a glass jar, and then I just used it. It kind of reminded me of home. And um, I can't remember all the, the specific purposes, yeah. but it is, like, in the mint family. So mm-hmm. um, it, I just... I, that found, I found that very interesting. And more, more recently, I did forage um, some scarlet berries um, in South Carolina. 
And what I did with those was I, um, instead of eating them, I crushed them up into a dye and it got a very, um, it got my cloth a very nice salmon-y pink color. Um, so yeah, I, I just like to just flow with it and, and see what happens and document. I keep little um, scraps over here. Um, every time I find a new different, uh, a different dye combination, I like to take a piece of cloth in, uh, in a little square and basically label it, you know, so I can just keep my, you know, experiments. So when I want to go back and make them again, I don't know what, what I did. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Kind of like a little scrapbook of your different yes. cloths. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, um, what, what are you working on next? I mean, like, you know, you have your rugs and you have all your different art, like you want to mm-hmm. do your alchemy. Like that's, that's so amazing. Is there anything that you're, that you're excited about going forward? I'm in a very transitional period of my life. So I, I am a, a lot of what I do. I'm, I'm known for modeling. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm slowly not ex not leaving it behind, but I just want to kind of dive deeper into what I make and what I create. Yeah. Um, we are entering into a a virtual world um, with NFTs and whatnot, and I do have experience in in that kind of um, that kind of world. But I have to do a little bit more research on that. But I think NFTs are, are in the in the near future. Um, and collaging i'm interested in collaging self-documenting uh all that stuff so i'm excited uh i really don't i feel like a lot of my life i've been planning for the next thing always Mm -hmm. and um i am finally in a space where i'm not stressing what is next what's next what's next is i think life a lot of the time um you need periods of just being present and appreciating what you've done and what you have and um, just being a student. I'm in a place of being a student of life right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. I love it. You know, just kind of see where the wind takes you. I mean, of course, you know, you have your your path and you have, you know, things that you're interested in, but mm-hmm. it's nice to kind of take a step back and just go with the flow and see where it takes you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, not, not, I mean, anything, I'm an open book. So if there's anything else you'd like to talk about, I'm open. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm just like really interested in just like the, just like your art and all that, you know, like you just seem Mm -hmm. so artsy to me. I mean, I don't really have any specific questions, (laughs) you know, but I just, I just want to say that, you know, like, I love your whole vibe. I love you know, I just love everything that you're doing. So thank you. I appreciate it. I, I think I'm just I'm here to just show well, my mission is really just to show that you don't have to put yourself in a box. Yeah, you are allowed to express yourself in any way that you want to. Um, and um, I feel like right now, a lot of my things are, are kind of subjective to the to the viewer. You know mm. what I mean? And um I'm I'm just figuring this stuff out every day, like like everybody else. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. I'm happy to be talking to you. I, I do want to know more about sustainability and maybe if you know, I don't know if we can have this conversation off off grid, but um, I I never when you reached out, I didn't realize that what I was doing was really sustainable. I I thought it was more so just connecting with with nature, but I I am realizing that it is. Um, consider that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, like you're using, like you said earlier, the earth gives us everything that we need. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you're using all of, you know, natural processes, like you're using natural dye, like that's freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're using hemp and you're making everything from hand. Mm -hmm. And so like, to me, sustainability isn't just, you know, like, not using plastic and, you know, like shopping at the thrift store, it's, you know, it encompasses a lot more, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
So yeah, like, you know, this season I want to, or, you know, throughout the podcast, I want to explore different ways that people are being sustainable, Um, you know, like in various aspects, because Mm -hmm. there's so many definitions of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so So, much for talking to me. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And my last question is, what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? It just means, honestly, like, truly connecting with with yourself and I feel like when you truly connect with yourself you understand that everything is um we're, we're a part of a, a bigger picture in life the earth is a living and breathing being um and so I feel like you really can't be connected to yourself if you're not connected to the earth and the environment around you so yes. yeah that's what I feel like being a sustainable brown girl is Yes, I love it. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much, Jade. It was such a pleasure having you here. And let everyone know where they can find you online. Okay, you can find me at um, on Instagram, J-A-D-E-N-I-K-A-Y-L-A-H. And then my website is www.jadenikayla.com. So that's where you can find me. Yes, please go follow her. (laughs) She has like the most relaxing like Instagram feed. So you'll love it. (laughs) Thanks again. All right. Take care. Our next featured sustainable brown girl is Priscilla Joseph, an interior designer with a focus on bringing nature into the built-in environment through biophilic patterns. Priscilla is also the host of Design Talk podcast, where you can gain practical interior design and wellness tips that can transform your space. Thank you so much for joining us, Priscilla. Thank you so much for having me, Ariel. It's such a pleasure. Yes. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us how you started your sustainable journey. Yeah. So actually, my journey started in 2016 when I was in my third year of design school. And um, we were assigned to do a project um, in any sector that we wanted uh, to design in. And so most of my peers were choosing either retail, hospitality, restaurant, even recreational. Um, It's what we see around us. And I said to myself, I want to do something very different. And so I kind of started doing some research and um, I found out that no one was doing this. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's a cool concept. So I decided to um, design a birthing and wellness center um, based out of Montreal, Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I wasn't a parent at the time, so I actually had to do research of what it is to, I mean, the process of birthing and just the mental, physical and emotional um, aspect, what comes with with the labor and and birthing process. And so I came to a conclusion that um, if I want to design the space um, well, then it has to it has to come from a holistic approach with sustainable elements and uh, and the incorporation of nature, which is biophilic designed. And after completing the project, I absolutely fell in love with um, just a sustainable approach, sustainability itself. There's so many different avenues to it. And uh, yeah, I've never looked back since. Wow, that's awesome. So did you actually like implement your designs into the space? So it was actually a conceptual design. Okay. Um, but the dream is it would be very beautiful to see that come right. to life. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine like how calming and serene it would be in, in a space like that to, you know, have your beautiful babies. <laughs> it's uh, when I actually went through the, the birthing and pro- like labor process and I yeah. said, to them, well, wow, it would be nice to have a birthing and wellness center like this. Right. Wow. So what exactly is biophilic design? What does that mean? Yeah, so we needed to look back at the the basics. So what's biophilia? And according to American biologist, um, E.O. Wilson, uh, he's very well known for his statement saying that it's basically merely a love for nature. And so when we're looking at biophysic design, um, it's based, it's evidence-based research um, and a framework to connect architecture and humans. Um, and they do that by incorporating nature within the built-in environment. And so it's been established um, 
again, based on evidence-based research from psychologists, neuroscience, and it basically proves that biophilic design with the incorporation of nature within the built-in environment um, has the, the ability to reduce stress, um, enhance creativity, clarity of, clarity of thought, <laughs> um, improve our well-being and, um, and healing. And so it's, there's just so many benefits to biophilic design. And that's the approach that I love to use when I'm um, designing spaces. Yeah. So what are some ways that you can bring nature into your, you know, your designs? Yes. And so um, I think we need to go back to the fundamentals. And uh -huh. so um, I'm going to try to paint a picture here. Okay, let's so, do it. <laughs> why do we feel so good when we go out for a walk, a hike, vacation, camping, even like a spa day? Yeah. So all these activities have one thing in common. It's our connection to nature. And so, for example, on a walk or a hike, you may connect with the different raw materials, um, such as foliage, trees, even rocks. And the research shows that such exposure has the ability to reduce blood pressure and improve creative performances. Um, mm -hmm. If we look at camping, for instance, um, you might get an enhanced um, connection, visual and non-visual uh, connection to nature and so not only you're seeing the trees you're seeing the foliage flowers but you're also exposed to sound and so um, you could hear like the birds chirping or passing through like the grass and sound evidence base shows that the exposure to um, sound and also visual and non-visual connection to nature has the ability to reduce blood pressure, stress hormones, improve mental health, um, just positively impact your cognitive performances. Yeah. Now that's an example. If you think about vacation or spa days, mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about the beach. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, maybe here in Canada, like it's lakes, that's our beach. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But um, it's just that exposure to water and the sound of water. And what does that make us feel, right? So yeah. evidence-based research shows that the exposure to this, this stimuli um, reduces blood pressure, stress hormones, um, lower heart rates, improve concentration, and even positive emotional responses. And so um, I'll give three tips Okay. <laughs> how to incorporate, um, I guess, biophilic design within your environment to feel rejuvenated. Okay. Um, so one of the first ones is evaluate your space, um, evaluate your views. And so let's take the bedroom, for example. What is the first thing you see when you wake up? Is it your window, mm -hmm. a blank wall? Um, and if you actually have a nice window in your room, maybe that means like orienting your bed. It could be tricky depending on your space layout, but orienting your bed so that the first thing you see when you wake up is actually outside. Um, if you mm -hmm. don't have a nice view, like I did for years, because I live in a yeah. condo. Parking lot. <laughs> right? um, which is not very, I guess it doesn't help at all yeah. <laughs> with, with looking outside, but stimulating that um, landscape or what you imagine to see the first thing that you wake up. So um, what I did at some point, just hang a, um, a large print of a landscape. And so the first thing I, I do, I'd wake up. And then once you kind of get that going, you're like, okay, what else can I do? Maybe like put some um, plants on the wall. So it's just that visual connection to nature. The first thing that you see when you wake up um, actually helps already reduce like any stress hormones that you would have had um, from the previous, any like residue from the previous day. Yeah. Starting the day on a good note. And so yeah. that's the first advice. Um, the second one is auditory stimuli in your space. And so again, bringing it to sound, if mm -hmm. you do have maybe a diffuser, um, at some point we got one of those Dyson uh, air purifier and it sounds like the wind outside mm. and it actually unconsciously stimulates um, our body and um, just a positive hormone. And so 
if you don't have and you don't want to spend money on technology, there's you can always open your window. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there's something nice outside, like yeah. I don't know, the trees blowing and crickets, you can that, right? Yeah. Um, but it just feels fresh, invigorating, and uh, it renews your mind. Just yeah, that auditory stimuli. And the last one, um, it's bringing texture into your space. Mm. And so humans have a biological uh, connection to nature, right? So like thinking again, bringing it back to, to going on vacation and walking on the sand. And so just feel your feet walking on the sand on a, like a warm spring day. And you can feel it just like your feet <laughs> taking mm-hmm. the sand and you're walking closer to, to the water. And then soon you feel this cool, damp sand, but it still feels nice yeah. on your feet. And then, then soon you feel that like warm salt water just brush along your ankles and it almost gives you an experience, right? And so how do we create the type of connection to nature within, within our home um, bringing nature. So perhaps your area rug, opt in for something um, with raw elements or textures. So something out of wool, maybe um, organic cotton. So something that you can feel when you're walking on. Um, another maybe easy uh, advice is if you have throw pillows, maybe opting in for something more texture. Um, and so that way, when you're actually lounging, your body's having that um, connection to that texture yeah. um, and these are like all subconscious things that we can do but it actually impacts our our body and overall um, health and well-being and the last thing like well I mean the list can go on but what I thought of is if somebody's re- renovating the bathroom mm-hmm. maybe opting for a textured tile and mm-hmm. so when you're walking on the tile it's almost like you're walking on a rock Mm. um it's probably I mean obviously like some people have an aesthetic preference but I think bringing in raw elements can look aesthetically pleasing and so these are these are some quick tips I think you can incorporate to rejuvenate your space and bringing biophilic yes yes I love that I think bringing in plants is definitely a simple way to you know bring more nature into your home so I love that idea. And also too, I see how it is important how, um, to have something that you enjoy looking at when you first wake yes. up, because that really sets the tone for your day, you know? It does. I think it's just positive. Um, I read this quote. Um, I'm very bad at quoting people. <laughs> I read this quote and um, the woman said, um, you can't have a positive day with negative thoughts. Mm. And so the moment you wake up and you see something that would stimulate just positive thoughts and the positive attitude and just just feeling refreshed, you're already setting your day up for a positive day. Yes, exactly. I love that. That's a good quote. I'll have to remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, when you're designing spaces, do you like design homes or businesses? Yeah, so I'm mainly so I have a full time and part time job. So (laughs) I'm a corporate designer um, for the government. And so um, with that, we do integrate um, just sustainability, the way the industry is moving into sustainable, sustainable building lead um, the incorporation of, of well, um, just to enhance the workers um, when they're spending a full day in the corporate office. And so I get to touch um, biophilic design, sustainability in that area. And also I do take on um, special projects under my business, LPD Studio, um, which we are in the process of rebranding. And again, special projects could be working with um, organizations, nonprofits, smaller businesses. Um, I've done some residential, um, but again, just bringing in sustainable elements in any way that we can in any sector possible. Um, I think that's something that we need to look at just the way our society is shifting. Um, yeah, long, long hours. Um, how, right. can we, how can we make a long hour actually uh, a proactive one, uh, yeah. an efficient one, right, in the office? And so um, 
I'm not sure if I answered your question there. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so knowing that you work in like office spaces and stuff, you know, typically when you think of an office, you think of like straight lines and like super cold and harsh lighting, you know, typically no greenery or if it is, it's probably fake, you know, <laughs> and that just can really take a toll on your like mental health, you know, being in this cold, like sterile space. So how do you typically, you know, make a business or, a, you know, an office building more sustainable or, you know, bring in the, bring in the outdoors? Yeah. So, wow, this could be a podcast on its own. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> There's so many elements that actually yeah. goes into enhancing someone's overall health and and um, and uh, well being. Mm -hmm. And so, um, one of the aspects I'm actually working to get an accreditation toward is um, Well AP. And um, Well AP is basically an accreditation and someone who specializes in in designing spaces to enhance people's well being. And so, it's not only um, we're looking at the building system. So we're also looking at how, you know, the circadian rhythm, like you said, the lighting, lighting impacts us greatly. Mm -hmm. um, airflow. Um, airflow is one of the biggest elements that have been highlighted during this pandemic, right? And mm -hmm. so how do we enhance um, airflow, air, air filtration within our spaces? Um, the carbon offsets, right? Like there's there's so many elements, again, materials, even bringing in raw materials inside the space, um, more sustainable material. Um, what does more sustainable material looks like? Perhaps going for local materials, right? And so mm -hmm. I um, definitely, COVID-19 has, I think, pushed the industry, the design industry into an area where we need to work with locals um, to create, to basically enhance our, 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 reduce our carbon footprint. And that's part of sustainability as well, right? Yeah. And so when designing a, a space for corporate or small business, um, again, finding out what all the elements um, together plays in part, right? Like, um, I don't think there's one thing that we can do specifically to change mm -hmm. the entire, um, way of doing a designing sustainably, I think every part um, woofs together to create a sustainable environment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that makes sense because it's the same like in your everyday life. There's not one thing that you can do to be sustainable. It's a, you know, it's a whole thing holistically, right. you know, you got to look right. at it. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know. So um, if someone is wanting to design their space, do you have any tips for like being more eco-friendly, like maybe outside of the design, but like, is there, is, are there ways to, you know, just be more eco-friendly or sustainable when you're designing your space? Sure, definitely. Um, so I, whenever I look at eco-friendly, mm -hmm. I try to, again, go back to what it is I feel like you know it's so easy to say let's be more eco-friendly now yeah right? uh -huh. or like plastic bags are like it's eco-friendly I'm not sure like how eco-friendly are your plastic bags right yeah um, and so when we look at the the true definition of being eco-friendly it's just something that's not harmful to the environment and so the first thing I've mentioned um, is the way the design industry is forced to use local materials. And so yeah. that's one thing that we can do and implement. And I feel that, again, the pandemic kind of pushed everyone, um, majority of the people to, to make that shift, right? Like, where are we getting our produce? Where are we getting our, our vegetables? And um, uh, again, building materials, right? Like lumber, where are we getting our lumber or um, even furniture, right? Where are we getting, are we getting our furniture imported from um, another place in the world where yeah. it can actually be manufactured local? Um, these are different things. So being local, I know we've heard it before, but it's super important just to reduce our carbon footprint. And it's probably mm -hmm. like one of the first things you can do. Um, I'm probably going to reiterate things that um, people have heard, but again, plastic, plastic, 
forget about one use plastic, right? And it's yeah, it's hard because if you think about like the way we 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 buy goods in the grocery store, like um, now I have I have a daughter, and so like some of the baby food that you go and like they're wrapped in like I don't know plastic thing, right? And so there's just so many so many things we're, we're surrounded by plastic. Yeah. So if we can do the small things to reduce, um, single use plastic in our home, like again, um, plastic bags in the grocery store, like, I think we should just forget about that. Right. And we live in, in, in a, in a time right now where we have reusable bag. There's so many nice tote bags. Um, these are um, easy ways, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even when we look at recycling, it's something super simple, but I've seen people in the office just kind of shoot out their water bottles. Right? Yeah. And so shooting at one water bottle, two water bottles, or like, I don't know, like a yolk, like a, what it, those jello um, containers, whatever yeah. you call them, right? Like yeah. um, it makes a difference one like if everybody throws that one right let's mm-hmm. like <laughs> how many billions like, that's it, right mm-hmm. um so definitely these are things that i think most of the your listeners probably have heard before but just keep in mind that that one single thing that you can do um reduce single um plastic use uh recycling uh recycle properly um shop local these are things that I think we need to reiterate and remember the impact it has on our environment. Yes, exactly. So when you are like shopping for a space, are there any particular places that you like to go? Um, so the trade industry um, mm-hmm. has actually shifted very well. I think we're getting there, getting better. Um, but a lot of manufacturers now um, we're able to, the trade has its connection. So that's, that's interesting. And more vendors are coming out to, to manufacture local. And so, yeah. Um, one of the things I thought of, but this is not probably design related, but um, there's this brand called Attitude. Um, they're based out of Montreal, Canada, and they make um, just eco-friendly uh, vegan products. And so it's either body, um, body soaps, um, the whole kit, like, uh, cleaning products, everything. And so, um, they're my go-to for Mm -hmm. my cleaning products, right. They're my go-to for my soap bar. Um, and so I think just doing a bit of research to find out what's in your local parameters is probably the number one. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I feel like there's not one specific go-to. I feel like I'm always trying to find, um, someone local to try to, okay, can we, can we make this right? Mm-hmm. Um, or who are my vendors around me that are actually manufacturing within my, uh, my district. And so I'm not able to give one straight answer, but my recommendation is definitely do your research, find the companies within your environment and, um, and support them. I mean, yes. it's not easy being a, a local business, especially, you know, through the wave of the pandemic. And so if we can, if we can collaborate with them in any way possible, um, let's, let's do so. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so important. Like you, like you've been saying to shop local, you know, because it's so good to support your local businesses and whatnot. And you know, I think a lot of times when people are designing their spaces, you know, it's so easy to look online and yes. try to find, <laughs> try to find the cheapest thing, you know, but usually when you shop local or you, you know, find a small business, it's going to last longer. It's made with better materials. So yes. yeah, that's definitely the way to go. It's definitely durability too. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you get to know what goes into your products or your materials, right? Mm-hmm. Versus you're ordering something, of course, cost is always a factor, but if you're, if you can spend that a little bit extra, then you understand the value and you're getting the quality um, that, I mean, you'll feel the quality, right? So yeah. in, in anything, I think in, in all realms, you can actually feel the quality or know the quality of something that you actually invested in. Right. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, Priscilla, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your design tips and ways to make your space like just be, you know, more comfortable and calming. I'm definitely going to implement some of those. <laughs> and Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say plants, if you can bring in plants. And I know that uh, definitely in our, in our, I feel like uh, it's probably, a, I don't know if it's a trend or if it, if it never stopped, but bringing plants are probably the best and most affordable ways. Absolutely. Yeah. So will you tell everyone where they can find you online? Tell them about your podcast and all that. Yes, 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 yes. So um, I am under Priscilla Joseph on Instagram, uh, Priscilla.Joseph. Um, you can also find me at LPD Studio. Um, we are rebranding, so you might not find a lot of content there. Um, and my podcast, Design Talk um, with Priscilla, is on Spotify, Apple, I think it's Google Play. I think they switched it now, but pretty much on all the platforms um, you can find us. Yes, please go follow her, go listen to her podcast, get all those wellness tips for your design, for your space. And um, yeah, our last question, Priscilla, is what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? Yeah, oh, I love that <laughs> question. <laughs> Number one, making a difference, um, be purpose driven, right? Like, and this can be obviously applied to everyone and anyone, um, but I can speak for myself. I'm definitely a minority in the interior design industry, and especially in Canada feel like there's there's room to grow there and room to change um, but I see this as a motivation right so everyone and everyone's always looking right and so when they're looking what can I do um, to make an impact right like what can I do uh, to make them see something great something with impact and purpose and so again I'm obviously standing out <laughs> out of the out of the out of the group but when, when people look, I do want to make a difference. I want to be purpose and driven. And that's what a sustainable brown girl means to me. Yes, I love it. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Priscilla, for being here. It was such a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thanks so much, Ariel. <laughs> if you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.